the, the subject for the talk this evening is healing our pain. In meditation, we find that it does include at times the experience of pain, the painful. And this, in this it's very much like our life, which does at times also include the painful experience as part of what we have to meet and contend with. And it is possible to learn to deal with the unsatisfactory aspect of pain, the unsatisfactory effects of pain in our life that I think it's really important to understand that a profound personal healing is part of spiritual practice, part of a spiritual path. And really the the path of wisdom, the path of wisdom and compassion does include actively addressing the pain and the conflict in our lives and finding a way, finding a means of arriving at some inner integration, inner harmony, given that this reality of pain is part of our existence. And I think it can be the case for some people that there's the sort of the intention in coming into spiritual practice and to coming into exploring the spiritual life, that there's something of a something of an attempt at times to avoid having to experience pain sorrow and difficulty in the world and in oneself. That there's sometimes a a wish or a a hope to to in some way transcend or to not have to deal with the painful in life. And in fact some spiritual practices might actually encourage this. There are ways and means that are taught that are sort of designed in a way to remove one from the realm of the painful experience. In this um, regard, even within this tradition, sometimes concentration practices are used really to to enable us to to not have to feel or experience anything painful. And certainly this is possible, to cultivate states of concentration in which there is really no experience of the unpleasant. However, this kind of approach to, to pain and to the difficult in life is really no ultimate solution. At best it's temporary and perhaps we could regard it a little bit like spiritual band-aids, spiritual first aid perhaps, but maybe not even that. That we just sort of cover up or cover over the reality of the pain in our lives without really having understood it, without really having dealt with it in a in a skillful and in a in a ultimately useful way. So in our practice, in the moments, and the, the sittings, and the walkings, and the, the unfoldment of the days, we do at times discover depths of wounding, of grief, of sorrow, of pain, longing, of shame, and of anger, and of fear, which we have met in our life. And having been exposed to these experiences in our life, we also find that they are part of our retreat experience that this is no haven from which we can withdraw to or into which we can withdraw and thereby avoid the reality of those experiences in our lives. And if we don't address them, if we don't actually look into the unhealed pain and the unhealed 
experience of the difficult in our life, then it casts something of a shadow over our experience. It can become a powerful unconscious force in our life that impacts on us in many different ways. And we often find ourselves repeating certain unhealthy and unhelpful patterns of behavior that are that are driven by seeking the end of some of this pain, some of these painful experiences, and yet often actually result, actually end up in causing more pain and generating more suffering for ourselves rather than actually reducing it. And I think one very um, common and familiar illustration of this, which I think many of us are familiar with to different degrees, is the um, feeling the need, feeling the pressure to to please others, to um, be receiving affirmation from others, from friends, from family, from loved ones. And we often find ourselves seeking approval, seeking acceptance, seeking positive reinforcement and feedback from others because there's some way in which we have a, a sense of an unhealed pain of feeling unaccepted, unloved or uncared for at times in our lives. And we can feel very much that we, we need we need to gain this approval, we need to gain this caring, this love. And we find ourselves at times doing things which really go against our own sense of who we are or what we feel is right in order to gain approval, in order to not risk other people's rejection. And if we're successful in this, of course, it's rather nice for the brief time in which we receive that approval, that acceptance, that expression of you're okay, or I like you, or whatever it is. But unfortunately, if we're acting out this pattern, this kind of tendency, what often happens is as soon as that, in a way, hit of of pleasure that comes from receiving the approval, once that's gone, we find ourselves even more drawn, even more needy, even more desperate, it seems, at times, to find that which we feel is missing, to somehow try and fill the gap or erase the pain that is there. And with this, I think we really need to look at perhaps a different way of addressing the painful experience, that often the pain drives us to act in certain conditions in very very habitual ways. But to look to see, are there other ways we can deal with it? Are there other ways we can meet it? Now, much of the, the, the most sort of intense and at times um, overwhelming pain that we might experience in our life comes from relationship, from our relationships to others, from our relationships to ourselves. And because that so much of the emotional pain we experience does come from past relationships or present relationships, there's also a great potential for healing through having a, a wise and conscious relationship to someone, to someone that we might call a spiritual friend. To actually allow our fears and our anger, our pain, our shame and our longing to actually be expressed, to be heard by another and that someone in, in who's functioning for us as as a spiritual friend, someone who can actually hear that and allow it to be okay, actually offer a sense of acceptance just as we are in hearing that, in hearing what goes on for us. That this actually, the, the worst, 
fears, the worst aspects of ourselves, the things that we feel most embarrassed about, most ashamed of. That in letting them out and allowing another to accept them, taking the risk that they won't, but actually receiving that acceptance, what that offers to us is the possibility of finding that place of acceptance in ourselves. And and it's this actual acceptance by ourselves that is so powerful and so transforming in terms of the inner pain of our life. When we can own our pain and our sadness in front of another, we're much more able to own it in front of ourselves, to actually allow ourselves to acknowledge that it's there and that it is painful without sort of putting pressure on ourselves for that and, and that the when we see that the other person doesn't judge us, we perhaps free ourselves somewhat from our tendency to judge ourselves. And this is very important also, this acceptance and in a way letting go, freeing ourselves from the habit of self-judgment for those things which are painful to us. This is so powerful. And we can actually experience in putting out to another person what a relief it is, just that we've acknowledged what's going on, that we've been honest about it rather than denying it or seeking to pretend it's not there. And in our practice, one of the things I think we learn to do is actually be our own spiritual friend, actually be our own witness who can sit and listen to the story of our life, to the pain and the difficulty, the fear and confusion that we do at time encounters, and listen from a place of balance, from a place of acceptance, and from a place of kindness and gentleness that's non-judgmental. That we learn to actually bring an acceptance and a compassion to the pain we do experience. And that within meditative practice, the real potency of healing comes through bringing awareness and bringing a, a loving attention to the reality, to the truth of our life. And we can explore what this means in terms of different areas of our experience. And we can look at the area of, of healing our body, healing our body, what that might mean for us. We see in our practice we're invited to, to bring awareness to the physical experience, to actually our bodily life as it reveals itself in the sensations which arise in our body, which we can attend to and observe, as we've been doing today in the guided meditation and um, other times perhaps. And if we actually learn to experience those sensations, whether they be painful or otherwise, experience them without a struggle, without putting demands on them as to what they should do, whether they should stop or continue. But we actually, in connecting with what's going on in our body, even though it may be painful at times, connecting it without placing demands upon it, we actually thereby learn to inhabit our body, learn to actually live connected to it rather than disconnected from it. And when we're giving attention to physical pain, to what we call pain in life, we can see that it comes from different places, that it may come from our posture. It may be because it's unfamiliar, we're not used to sitting on the floor or sitting in these strange sort of ways with our legs crossed. It may be simply because of the stillness of our body, that it's not moving. And the Buddha once said, I think it sounds perhaps cryptic, but I, I think it's actually rather clear, 
he once said that the pain of the body is disguised by the posture. And what that means, what I understand that to mean, is that the fact that we keep moving our body, we keep changing posture from one to another, this posture that to that posture, enables us to actually not notice or pretend to not notice that pain is an inherent characteristic of our body. And that any posture you take, if you stay there without changing it long enough, no matter how comfortable it is to begin with, eventually we find that we're no longer comfortable. Eventually we find that unpleasant, uncomfortable, painful sensations arise. And this isn't some condemnation to eternal pain, but just an acknowledgement that this is the reality. And that sometimes the pain we experience is simply what is there when we don't keep shuffling and shifting and sort of always adjusting, trying to find the place where it will no longer arise. <coughs> and together with that, what might be unfamiliar positions where we put stress in our bodies in ways we're not used to, together with that, just that inherent experience of pain that's there, also pain at times comes from sickness and from injury. And we need to be particularly careful and particularly sensitive when that is the case, not to put extra pressure on those parts of our body which may be vulnerable, which may be weak due to that history of illness, of accident or um, injury. And to be aware of that when working with the body in practice. That we examine our relationship to our body and to not just ignore pain, to pretend it's not there. Sometimes it's a message. Sometimes it has something to tell us and we need to actually listen and respond. And and respond in a way that's gentle and that's compassionate, that isn't reactive in pretending that the pain is not there, or equally in every moment that we notice it, reacting to it by changing our posture. And we also notice that physical pain arises for reasons that (coughs) really aren't anything to do with um, physical causes, but that actually they're much are more rooted at times the pain we experience in our body it's much more rooted at times in emotional and psychological causes in holding and contraction which in a way gets left or embedded in our body through the tendency to react and contract in relationship to what is going on in our emotional life and that there's a way in which when we repeat those sort of patterns if we always clench our shoulders when we're afraid or under pressure or we always tighten our jaw when we're angry what we actually start to find and there's many different ways this can express itself is that that very emotional energy starts to get locked into the tissues by the habit of repetition and um, often when we experience pain in some regions in our body it can be associated with certain feelings emotions, images, memories that actually arise quite naturally and spontaneously into consciousness when we connect with those sensations. And in this, it it is often that there is some emotional aspect, some emotional psychological aspect to the pain when that is going on. Not always, but often. And so what we learn to do is actually bring our awareness, bring a kind and gentle attention to those sensations, to that part of our body which is experiencing the pain, whether it be from a physical cause, such as pressure on the body, or whether it be from a perhaps more emotional or psychological root, 
that really the response is very similar. In attending to the sensation, we allow ourselves to relax the rather habitual and conditioned tightening and contraction whereby we most often respond to pain. And that when we relax that contraction, when we actually let go of the holding, which is in a way the, what puts pressure on the area of painful sensation, as we let go of that contraction, we really just allow the, the energy that's locked up in there, that's contracted, to start to move. We allow it to actually express its quite natural fluidity, which has only been, in a way, prevented from happening, one could say, by the contraction, by our reaction to the pain itself. So it's, it's not necessary to do anything to fix the pain. It's not even necessary to figure out the cause, if it's a physical cause, an emotional cause, or what the emotional cause, or whether it was because this happened to me when I was seven and ever since then I've had a sore knee, or ever since then I've had this pain in my stomach. We might have a sense of that. It might just come into consciousness that, oh, it's something to do with this. That's really fine, just to acknowledge that but not to need to go digging around in one's history or one's present trying to figure it out. Where did this come from? But just allowing your attention to be kind. And one of the, the subtle arts of meditation is understanding that it, our attention is not a neutral thing, that it's very much flavoured by the intention which we have behind it, and that we can actually bring a sense of kindness in our attention, a sense of kindness towards ourselves towards our experience, towards the pain that may be there. And often what happens when we can do that is that the layers of tension and contraction gradually release. The energy begins to move again and the knots and the blocks and sometimes the pain itself dissolves. And within this we can actually even at times experience quite profound emotional release simply through being with painful sensations, simply through attending to what is going on in our body. And it's not necessary for us to get into the story, to even know whether there is a story, but certainly not to have to figure out where it came from and what has to be done. Simply being with it. And yet, for all that this is the potential of being with that pain, one has to be very careful that one is not being with it in order to make it go away. Tempting a prospect as it might be. I think Ramdas, who some of you may know, a very lo greatly loved uh, spiritual teacher who's um, sadly suffered a, a very uh, debilitating stroke uh, a year and a half ago from which he hasn't fully recovered. But he said something rather wonderful in this regard. And um, Before I go on to say that, just to say, my sense from people who know him well and who've spoken about him that, that he's really been able to carry even into that situation a real depth of his understanding of, um, of being with pain and being with bodily experience and certainly a stroke is very much that. But what he said in this situation about being with, being with the pain is that you can't be with it in order for it to go away because it knows. It knows, it really does. Because in a way, we know. And we are not separate from that pain. We are not apart from it. And that if we're actually being with it in order to make it go away, 
we're really just acting out subtle levels of aversion, of fear or of denial. And so actually, when we notice that that might be happening, just seeing if we can let go and allow ourselves actually to feel it, just to feel it. Because if we can really accept it, if we can really be with it, then actually it doesn't matter if it goes away. Because from that place of acceptance, what that actually says is that it's okay for it to be there. That we've actually understood that the problem of the pain is not in the fact that it is there, but in our relationship of unwillingness to allow it to be there. And so we just learn to be with that pain when it occurs, when it is there. And we learn to examine it. The habit, and when we experience aversion to pain, the habit is to try and block it out, to not see that it's there, to do anything at all that we possibly can to avoid it. And so actually we go against that tendency, we go against that habit of avoidance, of denial, of aversion, simply by looking at it simply by looking at, examining the pain. And what we find is that it has an inner aspect to it. That pain is just a label, it's a term we use. There's no such thing as pain in our body. That's just the way we have of thinking about it. What we actually observe when we look carefully at an elemental level is we see that there are elements that make up all bodily experience of fire, earth, air and water. And fire essentially being heat, temperature, Earth being solidity and pressure, air being fluidity and movement, and water being cohesiveness, that which binds. And if you sometimes wondered, as I remember once doing, why does the water element is suggested to represent binding and cohesion? Then if you think what water does to a pile of flour or a pile of dust, you see it, it binds it, forms it into a whole. And with pain, when we look at the elemental level of what pain actually is, what we see that the majority of pain is actually heat and pressure. It's fire element and earth element. That pressure and solidity that often generates intense sensations. And if you actually feel into them, often pain feels like it's hot and sharp. And what we see also when we look at that elemental level, when we actually explore it with our attention, rather than just sort of standing back off thinking it's pain, I don't want to go near it. When we do that, we see that those sensations, those expressions of, um, of fire energy, of heat, of earth energy, of pressure, they're actually moving, they're shifting, they're changing. That the intensity doesn't stay in one place or in one degree of intensity for very long at all, but it moves and it shifts when we open to it. And together with that inner aspect, what we also find is that there's a layer of tightness, a layer of contraction, a that really comes out of our resistance to the pain itself. And that contraction is actually what gives the pain its solidity. That's what makes it seem so solid, is that we've contracted around it. And if we can relax into it, that sense of solidity, that sense of contractedness actually dissolves. And in that, as I said, using the out-breath as a resource for relaxing into the contraction, relaxing into the pain. And then we discover that there's an emotional level that's also there perhaps for us, an emotional layer that's aversion, anger, perhaps fear or despair even in relationship to the pain. Or there might be hope and anticipation that it will go away. But we notice that there's that emotional 
response as well that's going on in the heart and the mind to the experience of the sensations. And just to notice all of those pieces, all of that is part of what we call pain. And then to look at our our whole relationship to it. We see so easily, we have this view that somehow our body, being my body, is something which I should be able to control. And that with regard to pain, we have the view that we should somehow be able to control it, to subdue the pain, to make it go away in some way. And this whole sort of vast um, realms of spiritual practice dedicated to subduing the body, mortifying the body, sort of, um, and the story is told of the of the Buddha who engaged in many ascetic practices to the point where he was so thin when he pressed on his stomach he felt his backbone. He was that skinny. And yet it seemed that um, he, he discovered, and this was one of the great gifts to us, he realized that that was not actually effective, that was not actually helpful. So we don't need to sort of push ourselves to that degree and hence you know, we serve meals at Gaia House rather than sort of requiring us just to work with painful sensations of hunger as a practice. And there's a, there's a nice story about uh, how we sometimes relate to our body. Again, a story told about Mullah Nasruddin who um, once bought a donkey and um, he realized, much as he enjoyed having this donkey and it was very useful to him, but it cost him a lot of money to feed it. So he thought, well, maybe if I feed it a bit less, then it won't cost me so much. And he, every day he halved the amount of food it gave him. And over time, the monkey began to get, uh, the, the donkey began to get rather sick. And still, Nasruddin gave it less and less food. And eventually, and rather sadly, the donkey died. And the next day, the mullah was um, heard speaking to his friends in the tea house saying, you know, it's really sad about my donkey. You know, I'm sure if it had just lived a little bit longer, I'd have got it to live on nothing at all. And sometimes we relate to our body a little bit like that. We think if I can just put a bit more pressure on it, if I can stand that pressure for a bit longer, then it'll be okay. Then somehow I'll come to a resolution of this. But often that's not the case. And we really need to honor our body, not subdue it not be in a place of sort of fighting with it, but actually our body is our temple. Our body is where we practice. And as the Buddha said once, the whole of the Dharma, the whole of the teachings of wisdom and compassion are revealed in this fathom-long body, not somewhere else. This is our place of practice. And so we can really explore the healing of our physical body through healing of our relationship to pain and bringing a kindness and acceptance and a gentleness where perhaps previously there's been harshness, judgment and condemnation and perhaps even rejection of our body. And understanding in this that healing of the pain is not necessarily the end of the painful experience but the transforming of our relationship to it. And this essential principle is equally applicable to the, the process of healing our emotional life, of healing our heart. That we, we actually learn in a similar way to pay attention to 
and allow ourselves to feel the depths of pain that do touch us at times. Not suggesting that this is all there is to life, but acknowledging that certainly it's part of it. And we do feel depths of emotional pain. That sometimes we tend to go into denial, avoidance or distraction from it because it hurts, because we don't want to have to feel it. And yet it brings us no peace. We can spend our life running away from that. And yet we know it's there if we've touched it, if it's touched us in our life. And we need to actually open to it, to embrace it. We find the personal sorrows and grief and pain of our own life. And equally the universal pain of war, of poverty, of injustice, which certainly exists in this world. That when it comes to us, we need to actually be with it with an open heart, to actually allow ourselves to feel it. And this again seems like quite the opposite of what we think we want to do. To actually feel it sounds like the last thing that makes sense, because it hurts. But actually, when we allow ourselves to feel this pain, allow ourselves to open to it, if we listen, if we open to it, we actually see that it too is in motion. That it too is something which actually moves. It's fluid. It's not fixed. It's not static. And as it moves, we see it too is of the nature to come. And if we don't struggle with it and fight with it, it also is of the nature to go, to pass away, just as every experience does. And if we find that there's contraction and holding which solidifies that experience of painful emotional experience, then we really ask there to let go. To actually let go, not of the painful experience, again, not that letting go means that that painful emotion disappears or necessarily dissolves, but let go of our aversion to it. Let go of our unwillingness to feel it. And we see that the solidity that that emotional pain has again comes not from itself but from our contraction and resistance to it. And perhaps we start to understand as we explore it that the pain, the emotional pain that we experience equally as the physical pain actually has a legitimate place in our life and in the world. Much as we might wish for it not to exist. In fact, it's rather interesting to reflect on the, the rather sad plight of people afflicted with leprosy, for whom the actual thing that has been affected with leprosy, and this isn't, I think, often understood, but I was at least, I'm not an expert on this, but I was so informed when once doing some volunteer work at a um, leprosy clinic in, in Calcutta in India, that actually what happens with leprosy is that the nerve tissue dies. So you can no longer actually feel pain. And as a result, if you cut yourself and it gets infected, you don't notice until it's sort of rotting away. You touch something hot, you don't feel it. You just burn your hand and the flesh dies. And that actually for a leper to actually feel pain would be a great blessing to them. Because then they would know what is hot and what is sharp and actually be able to take care of themselves when they hurt themselves. And so actually understanding pain in that way, it's something that actually is sending us a message that we need to pay attention here. We need to take care of something. And that there's a, there's a beautiful image that's used in the, 
in the words of Khalil Gibran and the Prophet where he speaks of pain. I'll perhaps just read this. Your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. Even of the, as the stone of the fruit must break so that its heart may stand in the sun, so must you know pain. And could you keep your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of your life, your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. And you would accept the seasons of your heart even as you have always accepted the seasons that pass over your fields. And I think that there's, there's something really wonderful in that imagery, that sense of um, how the pain is. It's a breaking of the shell. It's a call to open, to allow our heart to stand in the sun. Our heart we have perhaps armoured with so much defensive, with so much contraction. And that often we have the tendency to focus so much on the painful, so much on that which is unpleasant. And we so easily feel that this is the totality of what's going on. And again, I had a rather interesting experience um, a couple of years ago when I was um, living at the Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts and I was the resident teacher there for a while, we went on an outing with some of the staff to the beach. And it was a beautiful, incredibly warm, sunny summer's day and particularly enjoyable because the previous visit to the beach had been washed out with heavy rain. And I was lying in the sand in this beautiful sunny day, wonderful ocean in front of me, the good friends having had a lovely meal, it would seem like my entire body was just soaking up pleasurable sensations. Apart from the one small fly that landed on my leg and started biting. And there it was, 99.9% or more of my body is having this incredibly pleasurable experience. One square millimetre is hurting. And what does your attention go to? You guessed it. It says, ouch, I don't like that, it's not okay. And instantly one isn't happy. It's interesting to see how we tend to focus on the unpleasant and how much balance can be brought into our life not by denying the unpleasant but and the painful in life but equally acknowledging that which is joyful that which is rich and sweet and nourishing. And then, as Khalil Gibran says, we have a sense of the seasons of our heart as perhaps being like the seasons that pass over the land. That winter comes after autumn and before spring, and summer is there also. That our emotions are not unlike this. We see that they move. They do change from one to another. And that sometimes when it's winter, we find it so difficult because we've forgotten that winter is part of the cycle, but so too must come spring and summer, inevitably, that one couldn't have the one without the other. And so we we start to understand that the idea that, that pain is wrong or out of place in our life isn't actually very helpful. And it's not that there's something wrong with me or something wrong with the situation or something wrong with someone else that pain arises in life. It's just that it is part of our reality and that we can actually start to open to its transforming power, to the potential that it has for making a difference in our life.
I'd like to read a story that speaks about this. Um, concerns a young man who'd had a, his leg amputated because of bone marrow cancer and he was um, very upset at this terrible loss and the author says she worked with this man through his grief and rage and his pain using painting, imagery and deep psychotherapy and after working for a couple of years there was a profound shift and he actually started to come out of his grief and his rage and actually start to meet and connect with other people who'd experienced similar trauma and he visited a young woman in a hospital who'd actually had both of her breasts removed for, because of cancer and who was deeply depressed and being a singer but hadn't really felt any joy or any willingness to do anything to um, get on with her life for a long time and he came in and it goes, the story reads the woman was so depressed about the loss of both her breasts that she wouldn't even look at him wouldn't pay attention to him the nurses had left her radio playing probably in order to cheer her up so desperate to get her attention he unstrapped his artificial leg and began dancing around the room on the other one snapping his fingers to the music she looked at him in amazement and burst out laughing and said wow if you can dance then I can sing and it was a year following this the author writes that they sat that she sat down with that um, young man to review the work together and she was showing him some of the pictures that he'd drawn in the early time she opened one which he he looked at and he showed it to her she says I had suggested that he draw a picture of his body and he'd drawn a vase with and running through the vase was a deep black crack this was the image of his body and he had taken a black crayon and had drawn the crack over and over again he was grinding his teeth with rage at the time it was very very painful because it seemed to him that this vase could never function as a vase again that's a vase if anyone needs a translation <laughs> I'm never sure which it is now several years later he came back to the picture and he looked at it and said oh this one isn't finished why don't you finish it the author replied to him he took a yellow crayon and putting his finger on the crack he said you see here where it is broken this is where the light comes through and with the yellow crayon, crayon he drew light streaming through the crack in his body we can go strong, grow strong at the broken places he said and if we perhaps understand what it means to meet our pain in this way as not something which weighs us down or weakens us but as actually an invitation to strengthen then rather than it being a problem in our meditation or in our life it's merely part of it and there's a very I think practical illustration of this reality um, which I, and I remember at university um, having a, a brief encounter with um, sort of weight training equipment and working out and one of the things we were instructed was that the way you make your muscles get bigger as you can see it didn't work but um, <laughs> when I was at university I had the idea anyway um, the way you actually make the muscles grow is that you tear them in half that's what you actually do you work them so hard that the fibers actually break and they're, they're sort of like this they move like this and they break then they heal together and where they heal they make bigger lumps 
because it's like scar tissue and it's stronger. And that's actually how you do it, in case you've ever wondered. And that's actually a very clear and direct illustration of how actually sometimes breaking something, tearing something, painful as it might be, actually can bring greater strength. And I'm not suggesting you all go out there and sort of tear your body's limb from limb or anything like that. But again, the understanding that pain and even breakage may actually be part of our growing and our strengthening. And again, we start to understand that healing in our practice doesn't mean that the difficult and the painful experience doesn't arise. And I reiterate this perhaps um, too many times, but perhaps not. But really, when we open to them and we understand it's about our relationship to the pain that really makes the difference, then it starts to become quite a different thing. And with this, what's really important is to see how at times we can tend to define ourselves in terms of the pain. We tend to think that this is who I am. And we limit, I am someone experiencing all this pain. And we we limit the possibility of happiness and well-being in our life, saying, I can't be happy until all this pain is gone. And yet, looking at the pain in the world, how could it all be gone? What could we do that would make it go away? Perhaps much the same the pain in ourselves. How could it be that we would not experience loss in this life? If we love people, we will lose them at some point, by death if not before. If we don't love people, how painful that is. So how could our life be without pain? And yet we understand that we don't need to define ourselves in terms of that pain. We don't need to limit ourselves by it. But much more powerful is actually, rather than trying to make it go away, is actually understanding the nature of it. Understanding the nature of that pain and learning that we don't need to identify with it. We don't need to take it to be who we are. That, in a way, it's not my anger. It's not my rage. It's not my pain. It's just anger. It's just fear. It's just pain. It's not someone else's. I mean, it's not like we're trying to sort of deny it or get rid of it in that way. But just seeing that when we don't sort of identify with it, when we actually just recognize that it's something that occurs, and because it occurs for everyone, we see it's not so personal. It's one of the really powerful things about sharing in the sort of the group interviews, is we realize that the things that occur for us that are difficult, and it feels like it's just happening to me, everyone else is out there on the fast track to enlightenment, we actually realize that no, actually it occurs for other people too. And we see that if that is so, then perhaps it's not something about me. Perhaps it's something about life. And so we perhaps learn to relate to those movements of pain, to those experiences of of unpleasant, of strong and difficult experience in the body, in the heart, in the mind. Learn to relate to them from a place of investigation, from a place of taking an interest to see what is going on here and how can I relate to it in a balanced, and a, and a helpful way, in a way that serves me, in a way that serves our well-being. And then that, what that does is it creates a space for us, a space in which we can hold our experience, whether painful, pleasurable or neither. We can hold it with balance. We can hold it with sensitivity. 
and equally in being able to hold that space for ourselves and our own pain, we find ourselves able to open to and hold that space for others in their pain and for the world in the pain that it experiences. And when we're actually able to open to it, we actually find we're able to respond to it with compassion. We're not in fear of it, we're not running away from it, not trying to suppress it. Quite naturally, from that place, we find we're able to act in ways that that take care of the pain we meet, the pain in ourselves, the pain in others, the pain of our world that is there. And that this profound healing, this is not something that is something far distant from us. This is something which is actually possible for us in the moment that we actually can open and be present to what is there. So, can we just sit quietly for a minute or two, please? May all beings live with kindness, May all beings live with acceptance. May all beings know profound healing. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.